ask for help and ask people who have done it before. So I think finding a mentor is huge. I think, you know, people, good people want to help, right? Especially young people. They want to see people succeed. Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Lens Podcast with Rogier Rojas, and I'm your host, Rogier Rojas. And today we have a guest who we met briefly a couple months ago at a fitness retreat down in Miami, Florida by one of my mentors slash clients, Brian Mazza at HPLT. Little did I know that this guy had so much more than what I just saw in person, excuse me, in person. He was someone that has been through a lot, faced with a lot of adversity at a very young age, and taking it to motivate others. On this show, he will talk about how he changed his own personal life around, has found significance in what he does to lead others through fitness, and most importantly, what I believe is starting a culture within his company known as AlphaFit. Um, his name is Sam Tooley. Sam, thank you so much for coming on the show. Quite the, quite the intro. A lot of hype. Hopefully I can live up to it throughout the podcast, um, but I appreciate you having me on. No, thank you, man. I want to get into it with you telling everyone who you are and what you have happening right now. All right. So Sam Tooley, 27 from Westfield, New Jersey, which is about 35 minutes outside of the city. I own Alpha Performance, which is a semi-private training facility and Alpha Fit Club, which is a group fitness concept right down the road. Also do online endurance coaching for athletes all over the world and most recently launched a mindset course that kind of goes hand in hand with that. I love that. With your fitness journey right now, I know that's a whole subject we'll touch on and the main reason why I brought you on is to talk about a routine and kind of your routine is something that I admire and I watch every single day, not waking up at the same time you wake up, but a couple hours later noticing at the time you wake up. Um, I kind of want to talk about your story and kind of how you were able to pivot on a, I would say, tragedy, sad moment in your life that not many people come back from. And, you know, before I say it, I kind of want to allow you to kind of tell the story of how things played out of what happened in your life to then to bring you to where you are today. Sure. So... It's ironic that I'm sitting here kind of looking out into my hometown. So I grew up in Westfield. My mom grew up in Westfield. My great grandparents grew up in Westfield. Like you name it, the running joke is kind of that they're stuck with us. Um, and it's like that picture perfect town, right? So just, it's got the beautiful downtown, the beautiful houses, like you name it, it's got it. And it's got, um, it's got an amazing community as well. Uh, but ironically, it was a place that I just wanted to get the hell out of when I was younger. And I think a lot of us grow up saying that we, we want to get away. We want to go to the city. We want to do X, Y, and Z. Um, when I was growing up, however, like, again, it being picture perfect, uh, it wasn't as it seemed, right? And so I uh, grew up with a pretty, um, it looked ideal from the outside looking in, but uh, family life was always kind of a struggle for us. We had a really dysfunctional family. Um, and I was able to luckily find refuge in running. Right. And so found running at a, at a young age, uh, in high school, I basically, I played every sport under the sun and didn't really succeed at any of them. Um, found running though. And it was really presented to me as something that was fair. 
And so I was hooked because for me, most of my life I felt like was unfair. And then I was presented with kind of the opportunity to start fresh in this new sport where if you showed up and you did the work, um, you were rewarded. And eventually that led to winning a state championship in high school, becoming one of the top you know, runners in school history uh, and this, one of the top runners in the state, obviously, and all that stuff. So found my, my thing early and took that with me to college where I ran for just a, a short while. My priorities kind of shifted there um, and kind of losing that glue that held me together um, proved to be a little bit too much. And so um, started to unravel while I was at college and kind of lose my way. Um, to the point where I was kicked out of the university by my junior year and just wasn't who I, who I knew I could be really. Like I just, I felt myself falling apart pretty, pretty much. Um, but what I always, think is that, is that through peer pressure or more so, um, like what, what made you think that was it everyone else telling you that, or was that something that more so you just saw things left and right, just saying no, closing doors, negative outcomes to what you were doing? It was a lack of discipline almost where it was like, I knew the right answer, but I would make the alternative decision. Uh, okay. Just, I didn't have the follow through. I, I always had an excuse. And even people looking in would tell me that it was okay because they knew I had this going on at home or they knew my parents were going through X, Y, and Z. Like, I just always had a scapegoat and nobody held me accountable. Um, and I didn't hold myself accountable. So uh, eventually I weaseled my way back into college and because I was, I was good at selling that. And um, what college was this? This was up at Fairfield University up in Connecticut. So had an amazing group of friends, um, just guys who became, you know, true brothers to me while I was at school. Um, but just definitely we were, uh, we were a rowdy crew and we definitely got after it. And they had an off switch. I just didn't, you know, running was always my outlet. And then when you remove that and I had the same kind of built up anger, frustration and, and intensity, I put it into, unfortunately, something of a, a little bit poorer decision. Um, so by the time I was a fifth year senior, um, you know, again, when I talk about family struggles and things of that nature, uh, alcoholism and addiction really ran strong in my family. And ironically, I had family come up to visit me when I was up at school. And here I was sitting across from them at the table. And I thought that they were coming to have, you know, an intervention with myself about where I was at. And they actually wanted another family member to go get help. Right. So I'm sitting there at the table and I'm like, here's, here's my day of reckoning. And it, what turned out it wasn't me that they thought needed help it was somebody else and so for me and as twisted as i was at the time i was able to take a step back and be like okay perfect this is the excuse that i need to forego school go home like switch it up another fresh start basically um and so that was my way out and so i i basically like just kind of like did away with school came home my excuse was i was going to take care of my brother and um, I was really off to the races because I didn't even have school to report to at that point. And I had this house to myself pretty much. Um, and so I was in a really dark place, like just really depressed, had the worst anxiety, knew I was kind of just like hopeless without direction. Um, and there were points in time where I was like, I just wanted to end 
too, right? So I had just like a very dark outlook um, and nobody really knew, right? Because I was in my own world. I was really good always from a young age of putting on this smile and saying like, everything's all good and being the, being the happy party guy in the room, like that was who I was. Um, it took a crazy string of events for me to kind of find my way again. Um, and what was that? Went to visit my mom, who was the one who was in rehab. And uh, we were there for family weekend. I went with, uh, went with my brother to kind of get a better understanding, I guess you could say, of what she was going through. Is your brother older or younger? So Jake was younger. Um, At the five, time, how old were you, 22? Yeah, so I was 20... I was 23 at the time and he was 17. Um, so just perspective, I want people to know you're essentially balancing what like most kids nowadays have to balance, which is personal life, social life, uh, family, you know, issues or just family, right? I wouldn't say issues. Everyone has something that's going on at home and you're trying to be a full-time student. And at the same time, right now, just based off what you said, you could say that you were battling depression and kind of putting this front of saying that from the outside in, you look great, but inside out, you're like, this is not okay. This is not who I am. You're making these choices just, just because, and you're going through all this at the same exact time that you're visiting your mom in rehab. Yeah, 100%. And um, I always wore that Superman cape, like even as a 15 year old kid, right? This was the same circumstance that I grew up all without all through high school with but again I had that positive outlet I had amazing coaches I had something that I was striving for that was constructive and then you take that away but you've got that same rage built up inside and that was a recipe for disaster so fast forward back to you know being at this rehab facility where your mom is and I heard this girl come up and speak right and she shared who I thought was a doctor at the rehab facility, she shared, started sharing um, what it's like to, you know, struggle with addiction, right? And she actually was telling her story about how she overcame it, et cetera, et cetera, but was, was really just laying it out there for this room who probably never really heard somebody articulate it that way. I know I hadn't. And so my foot went from tapping to almost feeling sick in my stomach to the point where I had to like go outside. And what was running through my mind was the fact that like she had just articulated what had been going on in my head for the last two, three years for the first time. I'd never been able to explain to somebody what I was struggling with. And she just explained it. And she explained it as struggling with addiction and depression and all of this stuff. And typically I would have brushed it off, but for whatever reason, dude, I went back in, I pulled her aside and I was like, I need to talk to you. Like, yeah. And she said something that resonated with you and and you knew that she could relate to because of what stuff you've never expressed to anyone. Right. Struck me to my fucking core. And, uh, I thought I was going crazy, right? Like I thought I was literally losing my mind. And so, um, I pulled her aside. We had a conversation for what turned out to be an hour and she was like, if you leave here, it will be the biggest regret of your life. And I was like, what are you saying? I was like, you want me to stay here? You want me to check into rehab? She's like, if you leave here, you will look back on this day as the biggest mistake of your life. And so I've had to fight with that the whole weekend and called a bunch of, called two of my best friends. 
uh, called my dad and I was like, I need to stay. And it, I would say it took them off guard, but as much as I thought I was putting on this facade that everything was all good, a lot of their reaction was, thank goodness, right? They, I think when people are that close to you, maybe they can't voice their concern in a way that you're gonna hear it, but they saw, they saw that struggle. Um, and so after that weekend, I checked myself in and I was in rehab for 30 days um, at 23 years old placed there on my own accord with my mom and uh, then spent 60 days after that living in a sober living situation. So for 90 days, I was off the grid and kind of just regrouping and, and figuring out who I was and what I wanted and, and how to really live life, um, not being black the fuck out because that's where I was at. I was every single day I wanted to fast forward through the day and not remember it because I was just so in my own head. Um, and so that, that 90 days, when you talk about pivoting and changing your life and really, um, transforming, I, I don't think that I became somebody I hadn't previously been right. So when people talk about, you know, kind of like finding themselves through, finding themselves like after their, their darkest moments. Like, I think I just had hit rock bottom. And as I went through that process, I started to remember who I actually was. What did you tell yourself going into that? When she approached you, says that to you, if you step away from this and this will be one of the worst decisions you make in your life, what was your thought process from a stranger telling you a comment like that? to then tell you that this day, if you don't do it for yourself, will turn to be the worst day. Was it a, a, a in, in my personal feeling, if someone that I didn't know was telling me to do something as life-changing as that, I wouldn't necessarily listen to them because there's no credibility factor there where it's, this is someone that I trust or this is someone that, you know, I've seen help other people and, and then they've helped others, but it's a complete stranger. So what was your thought process you know, you spoke to us how you went to your two best friends and you spoke to your dad, but what was the timeline? Was it that same day, two minutes after? What did you do? So two reasons that I took her for her word is that she had no agenda. She had no reason for me to, you know, she gained nothing from telling me any of this, right? She just, it felt like she just wanted to help. And I think sometimes at least I've always thought I have a pretty good radar for, for BS and, and all that. Like she just was speaking her truth, man. And I think her story, the way it resonated with me, it was, it was like a, a switch was flipped and it was like that aha moment where I was just like, she was supposed to do, be there and she was supposed to tell you that I had no interest in being there that weekend. You know, like I literally had told people I was not going 50 times over and for whatever reason I went mm -hmm. and, I had seen a therapist before because I knew I was struggling so much. Like that's somebody who I'm paying to tell me X, Y, and Z. Right. So I always had this like thing against therapists. She wasn't, she, I wasn't paying her nothing. She was just telling me her story and I just got it, you know? And so, yeah, that same day, uh, it was exactly when I had all those conversations. And again, wow the people who love you most always want to protect you, right? They want you to do what they think is best and what's going to help you the most, right? It has to line up with their plan for you. So even those, those people that are closest as a soundboard might not 
be making the best decisions for you. Right. And that's, did they, did they tell you otherwise? Did they like, did your friends question you like, Hey man, you don't need to go into rehab. Your father saying, Hey, last time I checked, you're doing well. Why are you going to waste money? Was that their reaction or was it more so we, I support you and love you and whatever you do. I think initially that gut reaction was, Whoa, let's slow down a second. Right. But then as they heard me out and um, we started to kind of dive into you know, how I, I opened up on those calls to those guys in ways that I probably never had before, you know, and I think a lot of us never want to hurt the people that love us most. And so I think I was concealing the struggle because I didn't want to hurt them. And I wanted to come across, like, I didn't want to be a burden on anybody. We never want to burden the people we love. So um, by the end of the call, man, it was one of those things where it was do what you need to do. And they put the ball back in my court. And uh, the the most interesting part of, of all of this, too, was that because I had decided to check myself in, I was placed with the adults, right? So they have, like, this, like, 18 to 25-year-old ward almost at the rehab facility. And most of those guys are placed there on either court order or by their parents or X, Y, and Z. They chose to put me with the 45 year old guys because they felt like I was mature in having made that decision. Right. And that I should mm-hmm. as an adult, but talk about going into a situation and being like, what did I just get myself into? Like your room, you room with a guy who has maybe been to rehab like 10 times, right. Mm-hmm. Has overdosed on heroin three times. Like, it's a dip, it's it ain't a movie, right? Like it's it can be very scary. So I would wake up and be like, I don't need to be here. Like I should get the fuck out of here, etc. Mm-hmm. It was, um, it was crazy, right? And a lot of those guys would look at me and be like, "You did what? You put yourself here?" Like, and I didn't look the part. That's for sure, right? I didn't. I hadn't been battle tested like a lot of these guys. But by the end of that trip, by the end of that that stay there. I gained the respect of a lot of them, right? Because you started to open up with these guys and, and I started to see myself as the leader that I thought I was um, because I was, I just, I took that role, right? And I ran with it. And then I went into the sober living house and I, I don't know, wanted to lead that group. Um, and so that's what kind of flipped the switch was like, I made this decision, the first decision that I knew was right in the, in, in the longest time. And I actually made it right. And then I followed through and I did what I knew I needed to do to be a leader. Like Mm -hmm. it started this, this internal transformation where I started to validate who I knew I could be. And I actually did the work to be it. What would you say to someone right now who's listening that may be battling something themselves and question the thought of rehab one, um, I guess that being that voice of someone who personally knew had they had an internal battle and they had demons they needed to face that they knew they couldn't face by themselves, what would you say to them right now for someone listening to this? That you're not alone because I felt like I was the only person in the world who was feeling as I felt. And to hear somebody else talk about that hopelessness, that helplessness, that, that loss of purpose, that loss of wanting to live and it just wanting to end. Like I didn't think anybody else felt that way. 
And until I heard that girl speak and share her story, I was so alone, right? Or so I thought. And then slowly but surely, I was like, you feel that way. And you've felt that way. And you don't feel that way anymore. And it was just like this, like, huh? Like there was, there was almost a name to it, right? I, it wasn't that I was going crazy. It was that I literally had like a brain disease, right? Like they started to articulate the fact that, listen, addiction is a disease of the brain, right? And I never understood what my mom was going through. I never understood what I was going through up until that point. So point blank and period is that if anybody's feeling that way, they aren't alone and other people have been through it and they've gotten through it. And a big part of it, man, is that you have a choice, right? You have a choice in what happens next. Like you choose how you will now handle kind of what's to come. Um, it, it was a big, she, you know, me taking responsibility for my life was a huge turn. No, I think that's great. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from this, that if anyone listening to this right now is if you're going through something, if you're experiencing something, you're not alone. Um, I could personally talk about, I don't really talk about my own mental health, but I do say when I first started, you know, this entrepreneurship journey and starting a media company, helping out with social media, I felt alone. I would wake up sometimes, you know, thinking to myself, why am I doing this? Who could I relate to? I, I did have a close best friend of mine who helped me out a lot, but still there's always that feeling of one, you're not enough or two, since you don't have the answers, you're considered less than everyone else that's on track to do something that you know, requires education or they have a specific path. And through that, you kind of isolate yourself and feel that you're not enough with your peers and people that are accomplishing something. It's to say that you are enough and kind of, you know, there's an outlet and there's a group and there's people out there who are just like you going through the same thing. So I want to get into what I thought was a pivotal moment in your life. Um, and I think you know exactly what that is. Um, you experiencing two deaths of two people that are, you know, your beloved immediate family members. And what I believe is what was the turning point towards everything else that followed. Am I wrong with saying that? No doubt. I mean, I think that getting sober and kind of like reclaiming the fact that I was going to trend my life in a positive direction was that right. That was mm -hmm. the biggest shift. But um, from there I made a decision to come home. Right. And was supported by my family to do so uh, and started coaching at my local high school. Um, my dad was a huge advocate of it. Right. Which was, which I needed, right. I needed his support. He was somebody who's had my back forever and in a huge way um, and he's always my biggest fan even when I felt like I didn't deserve it right I felt like I he always had my back and I was like man you you I'm fucking up every single day and you still got me which was um which was almost like a tough thing to swallow to be honest with you but um came home started coaching and immediately felt like it was where I needed to be like it just it fit like I was helping these kids walking the walk like it just was right um, from day one. And I think having my dad be able to see that, that I had turned my life around, had found what my purpose was, like, was, was so fulfilling for this guy um, who, who could sense that lostness. Um, the first season that I was coaching there, uh, my dad passed away really suddenly. So he had a routine neck procedure. 
Um, I picked him up from the hospital. He was wearing the neck brace. I was making fun of him for looking like a bobblehead. Mm-hmm. Uh, we picked up his meds together from the pharmacy. He had to like literally like turn his body like Frankenstein to get out of the car to go get it. Told mm-hmm. me to fuck up when I was making fun of him. Like had a had a really good relationship with him, and um, he took too much of the medication that they gave him, and um, he. It was crazy, man. I mean, so he was able to call an ambulance himself and he was like, I'm having trouble breathing, you know? And like, he thought it was something from the procedure itself, not the mm-hmm. fact that he, it turned out, took too much of the medication and it actually caused swelling to the brain to the point that it swelled so much it cut off circulation. Um, I was sitting at my desk, like in my in my house and... Uh, at this point, my parents had been separated and my mom uh, came from the other room and she was in tears, bawling. And I was like, you know, I stood up right away. I was like, what's wrong? Um, she was like, um, she just started crying. She was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, getting ready to go to practice. And she just kept repeating like, um, all right, what, like, where do you want to go? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what's happening? Um and she, you know, she told me, she was like, you know, your dad, um, your dad passed away last night. He, he didn't make it. And she didn't know how to tell me, obviously, I don't, I mean, how can you? Right. Um, but that was the first time that I lost anybody. And it was so sudden, such a gut punch. Um, and it just floored me. And my brother was at school at the time. Um, he was... He was 18 at the time. He was actually a, a freshman in college uh, at Monmouth University, which is only like 45 minutes from my house. Um, and it was the first thing I thought of. It was like, what are we going to tell Jake? Like, we have to tell Jake. I went outside. I'm, I'm crying, obviously, and just kind of sitting there thinking about how I'm going to tell my brother. Um, and so I called him. I was like, listen, man, I have to come down and pick you up. Like, we got to take care of something. And I think he assumed that it was maybe something wrong with my mom. Mm-hmm. And we had been through so much together. Uh, he and I were incredibly close. Um, I always felt like I grew up with a, 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 a messed up family situation, but everybody was intact, right? Everybody was, was there. Um, as things progressed, like he didn't really grow up with a set of parents, right? He grew up with two individual parents rather than a family. And I always felt for him with that. And so he was strong. Like, even though he didn't maybe have the maturity that I did, he was such a strong kid for having dealt with what he did and still to walk around with this, with this contagious laugh and joy, um, always like just inspired me to be like him in that way. Um, so went down, picked him up, broke the news to him when we got home. Um, and we battled through that together. And like my purpose was shifted from, okay, I'm going to get my life together. I'm going to make my parents proud was it shifted very quickly to, I'm going to show Jake that we can push forward that no matter what, like the show goes on and we can can do that. Um, And so that was my mission, man. And I, I took some time. I mean, listen, it took me, it took me, that was around Thanksgiving um, of that year. And it took me until probably the new year where I felt like I got a fresh start to kind of put my, put my big boy pants back on and say like, okay, now, now we go. Right. 
Um, now we get back to work and we start building again. And so um, that's when I launched my Instagram account in February of that year. I was like, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to start coaching people online. I'm going to start training people at the gym. Like I just said, I know what I'm going to do. I know how I'm going to make money. And uh, that became like the next few months of momentum, right? Where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm gaining, I'm gaining clients. Like I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And I thought by, by doing that, I was going to show Jake and my mom and whomever um, that life's going to go on and I'm going to take care of them and, and just make something of myself. Right. Um, so I signed a lease to my first gym, which was a tiny studio. It was like 500 square feet. And I was going to go from training kids in the park, right. Cause that's what I was doing to training them in my own spot and was so jacked up about it. The kids were jacked up about it. Like it was, it was such an amazing feeling to like lay down the turf at my first gym um, and I kept thinking like, man, my dad would be so fucking proud of me. Like I'm, I'm actually doing it and I'm taking the next right step. That had been like my motto was like, just do the next right thing. Um, and one month after I got the keys to that space, right. It wasn't really open for business yet per se. I had a few clients. Um, yeah, life decided to test me again, big time. And, um, we, it was like a scene out of a movie, like a heart, like a, like or a scene. It's like something you see on the news, right? That you never would expect to happen to you. Um, woke up in the middle of the night. I still was living at home. I was like three days from moving into apartment. I signed a lease for, um, and woke up to my ring filled with smoke. Um, I like was so confused by the whole thing, but like, the, the dramatics of the story cut short pretty much were like open my door met with flames like punched out my bedroom window standing on the roof watching flames like spit out of the front door on the front windows of my house my mom on the front lawn screaming to get out like our dog running around I jumped off the roof called 911 simultaneously holding my mom back like it just was something that I'll never forget like I have vivid fucking dreams about it, vivid memories um, that haunt me. And we didn't know if Jake was inside or not. Um, I had no idea what time it was. It was one of those things where it just was such a blur. And I had this like, it just was this weird like calmness where my only focus was keeping my mom back and safe, right? Um, the house was engulfed. Like it was as if we had slept through a full on fire. Um, and I pretty much just got out. Um, Jake was eventually found inside as was our dog who went back in, you know, when we like to think for him. Um, and man, like that just, you know, that tests you big time. Um, you know, you talk about feeling like you're taking the next right step and doing the next right thing. And you're just like, why, you know, you're just left with that, that, internal darkness saying like life is not going to go your way no matter what you fucking do it has other plans for you and um that was with you know that was nine months after losing my dad and i was just it just it leaves you with the question of like what's next mm -hmm. what's coming when is what is coming next um yeah and so those were those were 
two of the two, those were the two biggest losses of my life by far and the two biggest tests of my resolve. And um, luckily for me, I was so supported, man. And I think being in my hometown and being surrounded by those kids on that team and um, just being around people who wanted me to succeed no matter what was so important. And I was so grateful to have that. This town really, really picked me back up. And I think that's part of why I'm still here now doing what I'm doing. Um, but I guess circling back to, to how I'm kind of still standing now and able to have the mindset and the perspective that I do, I don't think that I would have been able to handle those situations had I gotten sober, had I gone through rehab, had I learned kind of how to build, had I not built that foundation of understanding that, that I decide what happens next. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, so that's why I talk about that being the pivot point because it gave me the foundation to deal with those things as best I could. I was absolutely crippled for the next year after losing Jake. I'm not going to say that I, I fought on um, in any heroic way. I was an absolute fucking mess for a year, a full year. Um, before I kind of picked my head back up and said like, okay, we're, we're ready to, to get back to work again and really right. um, build something great. So you, thank you so much. One, you know, either rest in peace, your father and your brother. Thank you for sharing that and opening up about that. And I think for me, the true testament is where you are today because I, I, I was aware of all that, you know, once we first met, but I wouldn't have guessed that by looking at you today. Um, kind of, you know, the way you carry yourself, the way you live your life, the way you're able to run your business and kind of demonstrate this lifestyle of being someone who has control. And I, I fully, you saying that, and I was like, I, I believe every word of it from how, what you do and how you do it. It's not by mistake. It's, it's evident that you're, it's, it's all intentional and it's something because you want so much more than what you have in a great way, not being selfish, but more so that idea of never settling for what's in front of you and creating what I believe opportunities, not only for yourself, but for other people. And you do that through your gym. You do that with your clients and the way you live your life of waking up every day at 3.30 a.m. So now I want to get into that, your morning routine. Can you please let everyone know what time you wake up? I've already said it five times. Um, What you do within the first 20 minutes and what you have accomplished before 6 a.m. every day. Yes. So my days do start most days between 3.15 and 3.30. Has not always been the case. And I like to think it's out of necessity, to be honest with you, because of what I do, what I expect of myself, and what I intend to give to others. And that's, so my work day, we'll start there and we'll reverse engineer it. Most days start at 5 a.m. Most days I have clients at 5 a.m. And I feel like if I'm going to be at my best for their session, and those are typically my most high energy clients and and dudes and dudettes who want to get after it, then I need to wake up far in advance to make sure I'm on point and mentally ready to give them what I know I'm capable of giving them. And I expect a lot of myself. I don't do things half-assed. I have no interest in that. I did that long enough. I'm still trying to make up for it. Um, 
And so that's really it. And so it's, it's out of, it's out of respect to them to be at my best. They're paying for me to, to give them what I've got. And I think I'm one of the best at what I do. And if I want to showcase that I need to get up at three 30 or three 15, which starts with first thing I take a shower, I need to wake up and, and feel like I'm, I'm clean and ready to go. Are you a big believer in cold showers? No, I, I, I suffer enough throughout the course of the day. I'm in a hot shower and I want to feel good. So I don't, I don't fuck with the cold shower, but I'll let the other crazies do that shit. Um, from there, I like to read, I like to meditate and I like to write. It depends on the order, to be honest, it actually switches quite a bit. Um, but typically the last thing that I'll do before I leave is meditate. So typically I'll read and then probably write. And I let, um, the books that I'm reading, a lot of them are, are self self help oriented mindset oriented, um, kind of just stoke the fire for the day and set the tone. And then I'll write from there really. And I just journal for maybe five to 10 minutes and fill up one page. Um, and just kind of articulate usually it, it usually it comes down to some sort of like positive affirmation or at least intention setting for the day where I ask myself, who am I at my best? How can I live into that today? And what type of energy do I want to bring into the day? Right. And I think there's, it's so easy dude, to get bogged down with I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Like that to do list is never ending, especially when you own a business or multiple businesses, it's there, right? It's absolutely there. Um, so it's easy to skip over being intentional about who you want to be and how you operate and how you want to treat other people. So I think that the reason that I'm able to carry myself throughout the course of the day in a way that I'm proud of at the end of it is because I ask myself those questions and I remind myself about how I answered throughout the course of the day. Right. That's pretty much the morning routine. It's good. Oh, yeah. Before you get in, before you leave, I know there was an object or a device that you used to meditate uh, in the room. So one, is there an app or platform or something that you use that you want to let others know that you find helpful? So I know you and I have chatted on it in the past and you've actually seen it. So I have a literal room that's my office, right? Um, that I do most of my reading, my thinking, and then I've got a chair within that room, right? It's got my stack of books. It's got all that next to it. On that chair, I have the wave meditation um, pillow, right? Where it actually hooks up through music, right? And pulsates to the vibration of the beat, right? So there's like, first of all, there's this pillow that's staring at me and it's like, I've made the commitment to say I want to meditate. Um, and it's, it's looking me in the face every morning. And it's like, basically saying like, you said you were going to meditate. I'm right here. I'm waiting for you. Like, are you going to do it? Or are you just going to ignore the fact that this is here? Um, and then I think that because there's that vibration, um, it helps me get into that, that rhythmic breathing, breathing. Right. Um, I need that. I'm not a good, my mind is all over the place as is. Right. But I think having set those intentions have kind of jack started my system and written out who I want to be and how I want to operate. And then sitting there and really just kind of soaking that in, I leave with like this, this really um, calm intensity almost where it's like, I'm just ready. I am ready to go. And I go in the world. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just, I go into that first session, dude, like on fire. Like I'm, I'm ready to go. I could run through a wall. How long that lasts is it varies, right? 
I think by four o'clock in the afternoon, I'm, I'm pretty much useless. Um, but where I need to be my best most days is early in the morning and throughout the course of the morning. So I am, when I'm on, I'm on, right? And I think a lot of that has to do with that morning routine. Love that. And in case anyone got lost, this isn't an ad. It's just a pillow that I thought was amazing that I tried the wave meditation pillow. So what he was referring to, it's an actual pillow that gives you a vibration acoustics tied to music that they have laid out for you on their playlist. And I tried it once when I was actually in Austin, Texas for this Michelob Ultra fitness event. Shout out to Kenny Santucci for the invite and being out there and being a part of that. And I had the opportunity to meet the founder of the company and I fell in love with it. I personally, uh, I wouldn't say I meditate, you know, my form of meditation would be prayer, which I guess is another way of meditation. Um, and that's something for me I'm trying to lock in is create a morning routine for myself because I'm always traveling and so mobile. And due to that, my schedule varies. You know, I don't have to be somewhere at a certain time every single day. But that doesn't mean that I can't do things for myself that I love. And one consistent thing I'm staying really focused on and honing out on is training. You know, finding those 60 minutes to sweat, being someone that challenges me, you know, switching up the routine and doing that. So you just ran us through essentially what you do when you wake up at 3.30, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, you're ready to go and you're training people through the day. And by 4, you're quote unquote useless. And besides being a you know fitness trainer, can you touch on uh, your life as an entrepreneur? So you have a personal training facility and then also a group fitness facility. I would love for you to talk and touch on starting that business and what it meant to surround yourself with other people that have the same vision. Because when I took a class there a couple weeks ago, I bought into it. I told so many people about it, including someone that hopefully I want to get hired there because I, I, I felt it. I've been in many group fitness studios before and know that one, it's, you're not buying into the plan, you're buying into the people. And you know, I believe in you and what you're doing. And the 10, 15 minutes that I had with the, your other coworkers, energy just felt, felt so right. Like everyone was buying into what you were doing. You know, As I left, the team was getting together to shoot content. And there's not many gyms that do that. So um, can you touch on that Alpha Fit Club and the boutique fitness and the launch of that and kind of the reboot? for people yeah. to look out for in 2020. So I actually hated group fitness before we opened this. And so this- I didn't know that. Yeah, I hated it. I thought that everybody who was coming to me for private training was getting hurt in group fitness concepts because basically of all of the pain points that we went on to try and fix with Alpha Fit Club. So Alpha Fit Club is a strength and conditioning style class. Um, it is- uh, pretty much typically between six to 12 stations. You spend three minutes to six minutes at each station, yada, yada, right? I don't think that the workout is the true differentiator. Um, although one of the pain points that we tried to fix was an overcrowded class and underqualified trainers and typically just poor programming that didn't really make sense. So we, we reverse engineered that. We keep the class sizes small and manageable. We only hire the best trainers. We have the best equipment in our techno gym partnership. So we've covered all of our basis is there. And then we tried to bring that sexy New York city boutique fitness style to the suburbs. So mm -hmm. it's kind of something that you don't, you certainly don't see it um, often, at least not done uh, the way that we, we think we, we do it. So um, that's it in a nutshell. But when you talk about the people um, we are so lucky in our membership 
in that it's good people finding good people. And from, I like to think that that starts at the top, right? We set a tone in, in who we bring on. Um, and that's, I would much prefer to sound somebody who maybe doesn't have the lengthiest history in training, right? Has a strong foundation, but is just a good person and is going to emulate what we want to emulate in a brand. So the name Alpha came from when I ran cross country in high school. The groups were Alpha Bravo, Charlie Delta Foxtrot. Um, it was an aspiration to get into that Alpha group. You had to show up every day. You had to be consistent. You had to work your ass off. Like you had to lift other people up. Like those are the things that we try to bring into the gym. Yeah. And those are certainly our metrics for hiring as well. Um, that's, that's our biggest differentiator, right? Is that it's, it is the people and it is the culture and the community. And I think everything that we do has that intent in mind, right? Um, the, the marketing and the branding that we've done is that it's the alpha wolf pack, right? Um, you travel around the room in a group of four so that you feel like you're working with a unit, with a team. It's not just like you going to sweat on a treadmill by yourself for 30 minutes and then going to do something else by yourself. Like you're, I'm relying on you. Yeah. Part of my group to help push me through this workout. That is not easy. You know, this right. works for everybody because again, the class sizes are small. There's no hiding in that room. Mm -hmm. you know? And we're going to do our absolute best to push you to the right level. Right. Which is not all out every single day, but it's, it's a manageable, scalable effort that, um, I think just brings out the best in people and gets them coming back. Right. And I think that's the best part, especially, you know, when I talk about group fitness or people starting up a gym, I always tell them to focus in on the culture and the community because at the end of the day, people who let's say were past ex athletes, collegiate, high school, middle school, whatever intramurals, the one thing that you love and the one thing you love to be a part of was a team Two, there is that community factor of seeing the same person every single day and them recognizing you saying your name, them realizing that you're setting certain goals with your fitness journey and then beating them and being a part of that makes them feel not only special, but ultimately that they're bigger than themselves in that moment. And people are listening, watching them, paying attention to them because maybe in the workspace, maybe at home, that's not the case. And you guys, again, I, I took one class and I watched through social media, what you do and kind of I'll watch the trainers from afar just out of curiosity, their perspective and kind of what they do and how they do it. And it's very much aligned with building into the people. The fitness journey is the vessel. You know, the, the gym is the vessel, but it's ultimately it's what you do on the ship, right? It's like, how do you build culture? How do you have people invest into what you're doing and also believe in the, the vision, which is like, you know, people, you know, opening that one, not two, but having a couple all around the area and then possibly all around the country, you know, that's the dream. I don't know for you, but for most franchises is to get across to every state and help and serve as many people as possible. And I know you're starting that in your hometown. And I remember I made that comment to you like, why aren't you in New York? And you're like, no, nah, I need to take care of Westfield first. I need to take care of my people. And I thought that's a true testament to you because that just shows that you care about the people that are around you and you want to serve them first. And then once they're served, you'll take care of everyone else in every other state. Yeah. So I think that's, it goes back to the half-assed efforts, right? Like I know we, we do a great job, right? I really don't think that um, anybody does it quite as in depth as we do it. I just feel like we've, we've done a really nice job, but I also know we can get better. And so 
we're constantly striving to to perfect this product and mm -hmm. um, keep that service at a super high level as well, right? So the workout to me is the product and, and everything else is the experience. And like when you're in the fitness business nowadays, you're in the, the, the experience business, right? You mm -hmm. create that experience. That's what keeps people coming back or at least right. talking about it. And then everything else falls around that. So we've done a great job with that. Uh, to answer the question of what's to come next, we sign the lease on our next gym, so our next Alpha Fit Club, which is actually going to be in Red Bank, New Jersey. So that's uh, about 30 minutes away, closer. Mm -hmm. to uh, super, super nice town and uh, very similar to Westfield. Um, just a, a beautiful standalone building that will convert to over as well. So um, we have a knack for taking buildings that certainly were not gyms in the past. Our current mm -hmm. Alpha Fit Club was a... a an Asian fruit market um, and you would never know that walking in now and this this next space used to be a glass a glass factory um, and again we're gonna switch that over to make it into a beautiful gem so that's on the immediate horizon I love that and for a young entrepreneur who is doing one-on-one -on -one personal training you said you went from you know outdoor workouts to having your own personal space what are some things or tips that you would give to a younger Sam that's 20 years old, 22 years old, that is striving to create something and create a brand? What would you say their focus should be right now? Ask for help and ask people who have done it before. So I think finding a mentor is huge. I think, you know, people, good people want to help, right? Especially young people. They want to see people succeed. I think a, in the fitness world, right, there are people who um, are true coaches and enjoy being uh, of service to others. Um, and I know that for me, I've been able to find some some people who I can really look up to uh, from afar, right? I might not know all of them, but uh, I think social media has given us a glance into people at their best and how they carry themselves in that way. Right. Um, I... I think that's one component of it. And then asking for help, right? There's people who have either done what you want to do or are good at what you're not good at. I think being humble enough to know that you don't know everything is something that I should certainly go back and tell my 22-year-old self or 23-year-old self is that you have a long way to go, right? And there's nothing wrong with asking uh, for some guidance and suggestions as to maybe how I got to where I'm at or how somebody who's well beyond where I'm at how they've gotten there, right? It yeah. will update the process immensely and you just kind of need to be humble enough to ask. You've been absolutely amazing. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for telling your story, dropping some knowledge. Uh, for those listening, where can they find you and what best platform? Um, Instagram's the best, coach.samtooley, very simple. And then you can find the gyms at, uh, at Alpha Fit Club as well, nice and simple. So coach.samtooley and Alpha Fit Club. Yeah, aside from Instagram, he does have TikTok, so it's the same I'm Instagram handle. Learning from the master Roger on how to get that going on a higher scale. Um, I'll send you the document. Actually, I just finished up all the text on it. Beautiful. I need it. So, guys, thank you so much for listening on this Behind the Lens podcast episode with Sam Tooley.